Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, hello, hello. It is the 10th of October 2022. This is the COB, the stuff you need to know about the day in markets and business. I'm Nadine Blaney here with David Scott. Scotty, how was your day? It was okay. I was going to ask you about uh, your holiday, but maybe we'll leave that to the end of the podcast. <laughs> All right. Well, I... Uh I was just saying to Ian here in the studio, who you know very well, that I've got about 10,000 emails. So if there's anybody out there who I've not got back to, I'm slowly working my way through them. Um, but this was not a real positive session to come back to. Uh, yeah, it could have been much worse. I mean, when I was last on air at about 11 o'clock, uh, the market was down by 1.7%. But the S&P ASX 200, Scotty, finishing down by 1%, 6,684. We always knew... It was going to be a bad one, didn't we? We did. I've actually got it, uh, a larger decline on my screen. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's not been updated, but I've got a 1.4% decline. Either way, it was a pretty ugly session coming through. Uh, losses across all sectors of the market. It's some pretty ugly ones in particular for tech. Uh, also looking at uh, information technology, healthcare, as well as uh, utilities, all off more than 2%. Uh, yeah. Uh, the relative outperformance was Staples, of course, known for its uh, safe haven attributes. So it was down a third of a percent, but really giving you a sense as to what the session was about. Pretty nasty to begin the new trading week. Yeah, it sure was. Following on, of course, from Wall Street, from the jobs read, all the speculation about the Fed. I mean, did anybody, I mean, did you really think there was going to be a f massive Fed pivot, Scotty? Uh, no, a few <laughs> other people obviously did, and uh, there's still people willing to go and bet on rate cuts next year. Uh, but the more that uh, the market holds this uh, in this vein, uh, the more emboldened the Fed might be to go and actually you know, go and become even more aggressive. And of course, if they do that, there probably is a chance they'll be cutting next year because there'll be a big recession. Yeah, well, we had plenty of talk about recession, what that might mean on the program today. And you can catch up with any interviews you may have missed. The Big Picture was a good one with Paul Brennan. You spoke with uh, the chief economist at Suncorp there. Um, but one thing that's standing out to me right now as you know the curtains come down on this Australian session is that we've got the Aussie dollar down more than half a percent, 63.22 versus the greenback, lowest since April of 2020. Peter Maguire from XM, you know him, Scuddy. He called the Aussie dollar the Aussie peso today. Is that too harsh? No, I've been calling it Pacific Peso and far worse names over the course of my career, but uh, it's about right. It's uh, It's been predominantly a US dollar strength story, but uh, you know, in trade terms, we're now down about 5% over the past two months, and that's against some pretty weak performances out there. You know, our major trading partner, in particular China, Gives you a sense as to, you know, the Aussie dollar has really been battered. Uh, you know, now losing that interest rate differential as well when it comes to its, uh, its, its policy legs. Which means, yeah, where does it get to from here? Well, path of least resistance certainly seems to be low for the time being. Yeah, Peter reckons it'll have a five handle before not too long. So that's obviously what we're watching 
as well as we head toward the U.S. session, a session that does mark Columbus Day in the United States. It's Thanksgiving weekend. It's Thanksgiving in Canada. Um, of course, Canada has a different Thanksgiving than the U.S. Um, so tonight we've got bond markets closed. We do have equities trading in the U.S., which is sort of counter to what often happens at public holidays there in the U.S., but um, most market participants will be on board. We've got the E-minis, both the NASDAQ and the S&P 500 E-minis, coming under pressure throughout the day today. Um, so look, as far as stock specifics here in Australia, at one point I think there was only three companies in the 200 that were trading in positive territory. It ended better than that with uh, Misoblast topping the list by percentage terms, of course, up by 7%. Tabcorp was up by close to 3%. It says that it's made a strategic investment in a company called Dabble. And uh, Fortescue saw its fortunes turn around today up by 23 there was a bit of a, a, a you know, broker weighing in on its Elowana mine. Um, but otherwise, I did see that um, coke and coal prices, for example, were up in China. Did that extend to iron ore today, Scuddy? Yeah, they're all up and about. But it's not really unusual for season China watchers. They always come back from holidays. There's always this big push to go and get things moving again. And uh, more, more likely than not, you see a bid come through in prices. Whether it's sustained, though, is the question we've been asking over and over again about China with uh, zero COVID policies. You know, as much as there's optimism you know, that we might go and see a pickup in demand, can we easily shut down and uh, have cities locked down? There's uh, more than a few cases of COVID permeating. We know at the moment, based on some of the, uh, know, the news stories we're hearing, that things are getting worse there. Yeah, I spoke with Isaac Poole from Oriana Financial Services today. He gave us three of his conviction calls. He's still holding on to his equity allocation. Uh, but he does say that now is time to start to have a look at China. You know, China could potentially be the next opportunity. And he is talking about equities in China. If you'd like to listen to that, uh, it's not in the show notes, but you can go to the website, osbiz.com.au. It's pretty obvious. It's uh, literally called Isaac's Three Conviction Calls. Um, Scotty, back to stocks, though. We had some news coming from Tyro this morning. It actually put out an earnings upgrade, which is uh, really unusual in the tech sector in particular. It did finish flat after being down as much as 4.5% this morning. It is, you know, it's controlling costs. So I guess the next big question is, um, you know, does it become a takeover target? So potentially a little bit of M&A activity that we'll be talking about again, yet again, in the tech space. Um, I had a chat uh, with uh, Benjamin Yeo from Moore Australia earlier today, and he said in the mid-market, you know, we're still seeing quite strong uh, deal flow. And he doesn't expect that to really even be impacted in that mid-market area, you know, I in the face of rising rates. So he expects it to continue to go strong for about six months. But, you know, true to form, he did say that it's the tech names, you know, that are really garnering a lot of attention and a lot of the deals coming through. Yeah, it's where there's growth eventually and it's where things are pretty cheap at the moment uh, based off a whole bunch of uh, various market ratios. So no, uh, no real surprise that people are sniffing around there. It's just, uh, it's just part of the cycle. Yeah, but one company I would say it would take a lot to get interested in, at least today, was Dubber. Uh, so Dubber put out preliminary results. Uh, they've had to revise them greatly and CFO stepped down. There's a whole lot of issues at Dubber. They've got a <laughs> they've got a customer that hasn't paid to the tune of eight million dollars. 
uh, in invoices. So anyways, I, I won't sort of go through all the gory details, but Dubber was the stock of the day today. Kashi sat down with Nathan Samasamadaram from Deep Data Analytics and Gaurav Sodhi from in Intelligent Investor. Let's take a listen to what they had to say about Dubber. I think this is an example of, of really aggressive revenue recognition. Mm. And it just shows that we have to be really careful with these um, new age software metrics like ARR. These are not regulated. There is no financial, um, th there's, there's no uniformity in how these are defined. It's a huge amount of discretion and you have to interrogate these numbers all the time. And this is not the first downgrade. This is a shocking downgrade, but it's been in a downgrade cycle for a long time. Brokers. Uh, I think one of the brokers about two, two months ago cut target price by 50%. Mm. Right? And brokers tend to be optimistic uh, because you want to raise money. Uh, so in that context, that's telling you how the cycle is. It's in a downgrade cycle. It's a tech that I think, yes, there is something interesting. There's a lot of techs with interesting stuff that are getting yep. belted. No need to be a hero here. Just no. sit back and wait. So, Dubber. Do you know how much it ended down today, Scotty? Take a guess. A lot. A lot. At 28%, let's call it that. Not all tech is created equal. I think that's the moral of the story there. You can listen to the entire episode of the call online. What were you going to say? I was going to say, when, uh, when you talk about uh, you know, becoming cheap, well, Dubber certainly became a lot more cheap today for a reason, obviously. But yeah, who knows what that might lead to. Yeah, well, you're right. I mean, everything, I suppose, can be turned around under the right guidance. Uh, look, so today there wasn't any, there wasn't really any data here big locally. There was a services PMI coming from, um, it's a PSI actually, coming from the AI group. That, that fell into contractionary territory. I mean... Yeah, the services sector was really the, the booming area of the economy. Do you think we should read too much into it? I know that labor, you know, labor issues were flagged as, as one sort of stress for, for services in this country. Mm, it's been around for a long period of time. It does have a, a reasonably decent track record. And we're talking about the largest part of the economy as well. But yeah, it's uh, really interesting. Uh, capacity uh, constraints showing signs of easing because you know, there's not as much demand coming through. Sales are off a cliff. Uh, you said that it's not just on consumers, but also business-to-business -business orientated services sector that are really starting to go and feel the pinch. Staff shortages, uh, another factor as well, staff burnout. So it didn't really picture a, a great I know, state of the uh, biggest part of the Australian economy. Of course, one month does not make a trend, but certainly one to keep an eye on because we know there's some headwinds out there from a variety of different factors at this point in time. Yeah, and we learned that in China as well. I mean, I know that we already talked about China, but we're continuing to see pressure coming through on the price of oil. Um, Ukraine, we haven't talked about it a lot on air, but we've got uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin accusing Ukraine of that Crimea bridge blast. He's calling it terrorism. I can't help. I mean, it's depressing, Scotty, that this is still going on eight months later, whatever it is. Um, but it, it seems as if, uh, I don't know, it just seems like anything could happen. Uh, I wouldn't rule anything out when it comes to Vladimir Putin and him getting his revenge. No, not at all. And we're coming to a pretty tricky part of the year. It's getting very cool, having uh, spent a lot of time, not necessarily in Ukraine, but uh, in the eastern parts of Europe. I can tell you that uh, no, when it gets cold, it gets cold and... Uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, interesting to see how this goes plays out. Uh, it just looks like a stalemate on both sides. I don't know, will it remain that way or will someone go and 
take uh, another course. Hopefully not, but uh, it's hopefully the whole thing can just go and be wrapped up, but probably wishful thinking, given we're talking about Vladimir Putin. Yeah, I know. And, uh, you know, just mentioning oil in Ukraine, um, you know, that OPEC plus cut. I was reading Jonathan Payne's uh, report on the weekend, the Payne report, and he was just drawing the lines between this new addition to the axis of Russia and China, and that being... Saudi Arabia, uh, you know, and, and the alliance that is between the three and particularly between the Russian president and uh, the Saudi prince. So, yeah, all of that is just, you know, scary, scary to think about, but potential, potential real scene setter for how things go for the remainder of the year. Of course, Scotty, uh, you know, overarching everything is interest rates tonight. Uh, again, we mentioned that we've got the Columbus holiday happening, but stock markets open and we still have Fed speakers. Nothing will keep those Fed speakers away. We've got Evans and Brainard tonight. That might be interesting with Brainard. Would you agree? Uh, potentially. I think it's more interesting in this occasion that we're not going to have the bond market influence and we know that the bond market's been pretty twitchy uh when it comes to the uh, impact on other asset classes so tonight without being around we unless it's some very very hawkish you know language coming through equities did fall a very long way on friday so i just wonder whether we might go and see a bit of a pop despite what futures are saying right now don't know we'll find out well only time will tell and of course we will be talking a lot uh, in the lead up to this inflation read in the U.S. on Thursday as to what to expect. Um, you know, also, Scotty, it's hard to believe it, but it's U.S. quarterly earnings season. It kicks up next week with PepsiCo and with the banks coming through. So there's going to be plenty of fodder to help dictate the direction of markets. And uh, we'll be here for all of it, won't we? We will be. Looking forward to all of it. It's going to be uh, another cracking week, hopefully. Maybe a bit more green on screen at some point, though. Hopefully we get the Westpac Consumer Confidence Read that comes through tomorrow. I think we've got Lucy Ellis speaking either, uh, might be Wednesday. Um, but yeah, it's really that US CPI that will be the big uh, economic data point. Look, we've got great guests lined up for you. We are live from 8.30 a.m. tomorrow morning. And uh, that's on ausbiz.com.au. And of course, we'll be back with the podcast as well. Looking forward to it already. We'll see you then. All right. See ya. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.